Good morning. I uh, hope you guys can all hear me okay. Um, thank you, Graham. That was a very kind introduction, and I, am, I feel honored and blessed to be able to share with you this morning. I love this movie, Do You Live in the Grip of Fear? Um, just want to welcome all of you to Highlands Church today. Some of you are visitors. This is your first time, so I hope that you enjoy your time with us. We promise it won't last too long, and um, hope that you are able to take something at least with you for the rest of the week. And as some of you may know, we actually have people from all over the country and even places like Afghanistan and in places like Europe who listen to our podcasts. So good morning, everyone in Vermont or Pennsylvania or even Napa. Um, We're just blessed to have uh, each person um, joining us this morning, wherever you are. Um, I was asked by Graham to preach for Mother's Day. Uh, a couple of months ago, and I guess that's because I'm now honored to be a mother. And I honestly don't remember the conversation, which is a little scary. Um, I think I was sleeping at the time. It was probably midnight. And oh, that's exactly what I look like when I'm sleeping. (laughs) And um, by midnight, I'm in that full state of REM sleep, the rapid eye movement. So whatever I commit to or any of us commit to at that period of time in our sleep cycle, you know, they can't hold us to it. But Graham, you have to be very careful with Graham. This is just an FYI. He is a very sneaky person. And he is very good at getting people to do things they do not want to do. So just beware of that. But supposedly I said yes to preaching up here this morning. And I forgot about it. And then like two months later, or two, yeah, it was two months later, the Highland Beat comes out and, oh, stars preaching. Okay, I guess I'm stuck because it's now gone to a thousand households uh, all over the central coast. So, um, and to be truthful, I don't even know if this is really that much of a Mother's Day sermon, but I tried really hard to make it sort of applicable to everybody. Um, And then I decided to make it a little more Mother's Day-y. So I did a little research to help you know if you're a mother. There are some clues that will let you know, just in case you're wondering. Um, The first clue, number one, is that you just brushed your teeth with Destin. That was a sure sign. Number two, if you're a mother, you know it because you just signed your mortgage bill with a crayon. And hopefully it wasn't yellow. Um, Number three, you know you're a mother because you just told Barney, the giant purple dinosaur, that you're having a bad day. And it felt good. Um, then the final one is you, je- you know your mother if your husband just walked through the door and you said, hi, Pookums, want a snack? <laughs> so that's how we know um, if we're a mother. And we know that this is a, a day of great sadness and great joy for many people. Um, there's a lot of mixed feelings about today. And we, we just want to recognize that, as Graham said earlier. Um, We saw this amazing clip from the movie Elizabeth, The Golden Age. And Elizabeth is, we think of her in history as this incredible, strong, powerful, intelligent, fearless queen who ruled England for 70 years. Probably the most popular monarch in English history. And we think of her as just incredible. And Elizabeth actually never had children. She never married. But she was really the mother of a nation. And um, what we see Clive Owen telling her, the Sir William Raleigh, is saying, do you live in the grip of fear? Fear of storms, fear of the immensity, fear of sickness on board. Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth, had fear. 
the mother of a nation. And there's other women that we think of or people that we think of as being so strong, put together, that they too have fear. This is a common human experience, having fear. Who else do we think of not having fear who does? Well, Beth Moore. Some of you have been studying her Bible study. Beth Moore, that's the lady, husbands, that your, that your wife has been going to watch every Thursday night. That's her. And what does she say about herself? She says, the fear in my life was awful. It was just awful. I didn't want to go anyplace, see anyone. I just felt like crawling into a hole and covering myself up. Other prominent women that have experienced fear are uh, Laura Bush. Laura Bush has um, been interviewed recently by Oprah and says she's had fear. She lives with fear and guilt. Um, Joyce Meyer, the famous Bible study teacher, struggles with intense fear. Even Oprah, who's a billionaire, we think of rich people don't have fear. Sometimes they have more fear than anyone else. Oprah has admitted time and again to having fear. Um, who else has fear? The lady next door, that lady who's perfect and she, her hair's perfect and her car's always clean and her house is sparkling and her kids are perfect and her husband's perfect, that lady also experiences fear. Everybody experiences fear. Sometimes it's the people who cover it up the most, maybe who have the most. Um, so what I want to talk about today is, you guessed it, fear. Um, but most importantly, I want us to look at how God gives us freedom from fear. In the Christian life, there's freedom. And this is an area where God wants to give us freedom. The text we're going to look at is, uh, comes from the book in the Bible from, of Philippians. And Philippians is really not a book. It's actually a letter. The Apostle Paul is in Philippi, or he's outside of Philippi. He's in house arrest, and he is awaiting trial. And he may be executed. He doesn't know. Um, and he is writing a letter to the Philippian church. The Philippian church is actually a lot like Highlands Church. It's a new church. The people are really kind. It's near the Mediterranean, so it has sort of a Mediterranean climate. It's on the Aegean Sea. Isn't that nice when you guys like to just go over there and hang out? Um, and Paso Robles, we have this nice Mediterranean climate, good-hearted people. This is an amazing place to live, kind of like Philippi. But Paul knows something that the Philippians um, are experiencing, the Church of Philippi is experiencing. And maybe some of you are experiencing this today too. He knows the church in Philippi is afraid. He knows they're anxious. So let's hear what he says to them. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Let's say that again. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, with prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God that passes all of your understanding, that transcends all of your understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So what were the Philippians afraid of? Maybe it was a bad year in farming. Maybe the Philippian stock market was going down. Perhaps it was Roman occupation. I think they were afraid of persecution. But I think that the word that we see up here for anxious in the Greek is kind of worth taking a look at. It's called merimnao. So let's say that together. Merimnao. I practiced all week. Um, it me, it's a Greek word, and it means really the fear of the unknown. It's a fear of the future. So it's not like a you're afraid of dogs or you're afraid of like 
kids or you're afraid of flying or you're afraid of spiders. It really means a fear of the unknown, a fear of the future. Um, Merim Na'o. The other day I was kind of looking outside just at our yard and looking at how much work needs to be done in our yard. And I noticed that there was all these cotton fluff everywhere. And I realized that our dog, Honey, had pulled apart one of Haley's teddy bears and the stuffing had come out and was all over the yard. And so um, I thought to myself, that is what Merim Na'o is. It's like having the stuffing pulled out of you. It's this brooding, this speculating, this tension between your hopes and your fears, and it's colliding, and you're letting those fears give in. I don't know if any of you in here watch TV. Um, I sometimes watch TV at night because I just chased a two-year-old around all day, and I'm really tired. And so the other night, I was collapsed in front of the TV, and there was this special on, and it was um, a 30-year anniversary special on the eruption of Mount St. Helens. So maybe some of you remember, others of you weren't born yet, but some of you remember what you were doing on, uh, I think it was May 18th at 8.32 in the morning. Um, you were, I don't know, maybe you remember that you were washing your hair. It's kind of like the 9-11 thing. You remember what you were doing. And I was um, six years old and living in Seattle. So the eruption of Mount St. Helens was a big deal. And I just remember going outside and like inspecting all the flower petals to see if there were ashes. But what happened as a result of this massive eruption was it generated this huge toxic mudslide. And this toxic mudslide went at a rate of about 150 miles per hour down the side of the mountain and collapsed into the beautiful Spirit Lake that was at the base of the mountain. And Spirit Lake, as a result, everything died. All of the algae and the plant life and the fish died. Later, researchers went back and they took samples and they found that there had been this bacteria spread throughout the lake that killed everything. And it sucked the very oxygen out of all life form. That is what fear does to us. Fear and anxiety, no matter how real your fears are, it sucks our life out of us. It takes away our impetus to move forward, to make decisions, to have hope. That's why it's a big deal. That's why it's a big deal to God. How does Merim Nao work in our minds? Maybe it tells us, oh, you know what? My kids are never going to get better. I'm never going to be able to pay these bills. I won't ever have the resources to retire because that 4OK is going to keep going down, not up. Um, my weight, it's going to go up. It's not going to go down. No matter what I do, I will die alone. I'll be left alone. Or maybe it's the arguing is never going to end. Or this um, ch adult child I have is never going to change. I don't know what your fears are, but that is what we're talking about. That fear of the unknown. What if? What is going to happen? So we've done this whole thing where we've looked at fear. We've looked at what Paul's talking about. I want to briefly look at how fear works, and then we'll get to the really good stuff, okay? Um, how does fear work? Fear is like that friend you have in like junior high, and he's not a junior higher, but it's like that friend you have in junior high who's like always picking on you. And you can't get rid of that person. You're like, okay, I'm not going to hang out with you. You're not coming over. But they're just always there, and you let them hang out. And they're always telling you that you're a dork, and that you're not that smart, and you're not that good looking. And you just, you know, they just drag you down. And you can't shake them off. That's the way fear is. It's not a good friend, but it's a familiar friend that we kind of get comfortable with. It's that voice in our head that says, 
Oh, so you want to get a new job? You want to get a promotion? Well, you know, you're not going to get promoted. You, you know, you could turn in your application, but why bother? There's going to be like 500 people who are way more qualified, and you know, you're just wasting your time. They're going to grill you, and you're going to look dumb. So you might as well just stay in the job you're at. Or that girl you want to ask out? You've like had your eye on for a while. She's really cute, and that fear voice says, "Oh, you know what? No way." She's going to say no. You're going to get rejected. You'd be better off just popping your own popcorn, sitting and watching your own movie, and then there'd definitely be spinach in your mouth if you did go out to dinner with her. So um, you're in trouble. That's fear. It doesn't really. It doesn't feel good, and it's really not God's plan for us. Um, so we've looked at fear. We've looked at what Paul's talking about. We've looked at um, what fear does. Now we want to look quickly at what is Paul saying is the solution. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything—not just some things, not just the big things or the little things—but in everything, with prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So that's our job. Our job is to pray. Our job is to talk to God and give Him our requests. It's like a—it's part of, I think. The discipline of the Christian life is as you're walking along or you're driving along and those fears come into your head, constantly disciplining yourself to give those over to God. But Paul adds, with thanksgiving. So that is our job. I uh, know that you guys hear about Graham's family a lot when you come to church. You hear about the Scottish people and you hear about the pastors and you hear about the farmers in Merced. And I just want to say that I actually have a family too, and um, I have a wonderful family and um, an imperfect family, but a wonderful family, and just like all of you. And um, some of my family's members would probably say, "Yes, I am a Christian. That's who I am." And then I have other family members who would probably say, "No, I'm not comfortable defining myself that way. I'm still trying to figure this whole thing out." And I have an aunt who、um, she passed away several years ago. She passed away early in her life. Her name was Roxanne Brandt. She never married.、Um, she never had children, and she was a devout atheist for years.、Um, she thought Christians were crazy and Lulu, and she didn't like them. And she was a devout atheist. She later had a radical conversion experience to Christianity、uh, at the University of Colorado in Boulder on the campus there, and that's a whole other story. But she became a pastor, and she tells this story, this amazing story about how, when she was still an atheist, she was a senior in high school, and she had been selected. To play a piano concerto for the Boston Pop Symphony, and I cannot imagine that. But she was so overwhelmed. She was only 18 years old, and she was practicing eight hours a day, and she、um, had all this schoolwork and doing college applications. And she did not believe in God, though. So she was not going to pray. She told herself, and she says that she got on her knees the night before the concert. She couldn't help herself, and she just said, "God, help me." I don't know who you are. I don't even believe in you, but can you help me?、Um, there's this part of us, this human, mortal instinct that we have to ask God for help. <clears throat> so,、um, fear can actually be the thing that draws us to Jesus Christ. Paul said it again: in everything, with prayer and petition, 
present, and thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I love the text, the part in verse 5 that's not up there, sorry, but it says, the Lord is near. Let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. And what Paul's really saying is stop, okay, your mind is spinning, you've got all this stuff on your plate, just stop, slow down. He's putting up a giant stop sign in our brains and saying, okay, take a deep breath and talk to God. Just take a deep breath and just lay it before him. He already knows what you're worried about, so you don't need to hide it from him. Several years ago, when Graham and I were first married, we didn't have health insurance. And this was not a really big deal at first, but it became a bigger and bigger deal because um, Graham, his teeth started going bad, and it really was a problem for us. Um, Well, for him. And there's a picture of him that we'll show you in a... Oh, yeah, there he is. (laughs) is, You got to be careful, Graham, when you let your wife preach. But so... um, yeah, Graham and I both, yeah, there was like cavities and root canals and all this stuff. And I was just like, how on earth are we going to afford getting our teeth fixed? And um, I didn't really know what we were going to do, but I decided that I would pray about it. And it sounds like such a silly thing to pray about, but really I specifically prayed about this. And within about, I think, nine to 12 months, I got a new job. And it turned out that this job had phenomenal dental insurance. And Lo and behold, we got our teeth fixed. So, silly example, but God even cares about that. Just one more point, and then we'll move on to the really good stuff. Um, Thanksgiving. God really wants us to add Thanksgiving to our prayers. And that is, for me, I confess, a hard thing to do. Um, It's very easy to focus on all your needs, but to forget to thank Him. And, you know, God, I don't believe, needs our Thanksgiving, but He knows that we need our Thanksgiving We need to remember what he's done in the past so that we can face the future of what he's going to do. And it might just be a simple thing of, thank you, God, because in 97, I did get that job. And in 82, I actually did get into college. And in 96, when my mom died, you brought wonderful friends around me, and you helped me get through that time. And then in 02, when I started drinking again after my dad died, I ended up moving into that apartment, and around the street was this amazing AA group, and I've been sober now for seven years. Oh yeah, I do have some needs coming up. I do not know how I'm going to face tomorrow. That's how we know that we can, because he's already been there. God doesn't always answer our prayers the way we want him to, in the time frame that we have in mind. It took me eight years to actually become a mother, but God does answer our prayers. His promise to Our job, which is to pray with thanksgiving, his promise is that he will guard our hearts and our minds with Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus. Um, The the language that Paul is using here, the language for guard, is really a military image of a sentry, a Roman centurion. And that guard, that sentry, stands at the door of your heart when you come to God in prayer. And he protects your heart. He protects your mind. The thoughts of fear and the things that you can't deal with, you're too overwhelming. God puts a guard there to protect you. And I don't know um, what you do in the morning before you go to church. This morning I got up and I had some coffee and I got in my car and I went through three stoplights. And then I turned left, went down a hill, and I pulled into the Highlands Church parking lot. It was pretty 
Um, simple, really. There was nothing major that happened. Um, but for some people in this world, going to church is uh, much more challenging. It's much more difficult. And this morning, I want to tell you about a young mother named Sor Lady Anaho. And Sor Lady is a young mother who has two children, and she lives in Colombia, a beautiful country. Part of Colombia is definitely worth visiting. It's become much safer, democratic rule. But there, the part that Sor Lady lives in is not safe. It's called the Red Zone, and it's occupied and controlled by military Marxist guerrilla groups that make $300 million a year on the cocaine trade to the United States. They hate Christians. They hate Americans. These, this guerrilla, these guerrilla groups are very dangerous, and they control the region where Sor Lady lives. On August the 4th, 2002, Sor Lady's husband was murdered. He was murdered for one reason and one reason alone, because he was a Christian. And he was a Christian pastor, and so they shot him. Now, Sor Lady is a young widow now, and she has very real fears. Her fears are not um, based in non-reality. They're based in a very real reality. And um, she has to make a, a conscious decision every morning when she wakes up and on the mornings that she wakes up to go to church. Um, she has to make a decision to face her fears. And maybe this morning you got into your SUV and you got a little Starbucks or you went to McDonald's or you got some gas. But in the morning when Sore Lady goes to church, she grabs a hand of her children and she grabs those little hands very tight. And she walks through the front door. And as she walks through the front door and onto the dirt road, she says a prayer and she asks God to protect them. And she walks and as she's walking, she goes past a guard. And the guard maybe is armed, definitely is armed. And he's part of the guerrilla forces that murdered her husband. And she keeps walking, and she holds her head high, and she continues to pray, and she takes a step for democracy, and she takes a step for hope, and she takes a step for Jesus Christ. And the only way that she can take these steps of faith, there's only one way, and that's because she knows there's a secret. The secret is that there really are two guards in Colombia. There's the guerrilla guard with his AK-47, but there's also the Holy Spirit, and that's the guard you cannot see, but she knows is there. And that's the guard that's protecting her heart and her mind and her soul and her body. That's the guard that's protecting the heart and mind and soul and body of her children. And that's the guard that gives her the peace and the strength to step into the future with courage and hope. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, everything, with prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your promises. We thank you that you are real. We thank you that you know the needs and hearts and minds of every person here today. We ask for your covering of peace and that you would make yourself known to um, each of us in a very real personal way. Amen.